And starting the week on Culture File, we're at the bookshelf again in the company of Paddy Woodworth, who's helping us gather the essential nature writing for the journey ahead. This time, Paddy is looking at the writings of American naturalist John Hay. Hay wrote more than a dozen books on the natural world, spanning the 1950s to the 1990s, a taste of which are gathered in the anthology we take down this time from the naturalist bookshelf, The Way to the Salt Marsh by John Hay. The richest books, I think, turn out to be those that we find to be mostly tasty and nourishing the first time around, and yet may still feel that some passages are indigestible, some ideas impenetrable. And then, when you go back to them a second time, some of these passages open up to you, deepening your understanding and delight in the author's vision. In the case of The Way to the Salt Marsh, an edited collection of extracts from the prolific work of the American nature writer John Hay, I have gone back to this book at least four times. I feel its electric impact more deeply with each rereading, and paragraphs that seemed obscure become transparent. It was gifted to me in 2003 by its editor, the gentle but fierce poet and scholar Christopher Merrill, who had mentored me and so many others on the International Writing Programme at the University of Iowa. Merrill had also introduced me to ecological restoration, which became the main theme of my own writing. My copy of Salt Marsh is now dog-eared with dozens of yellow stickies, and I find I have 4,000 words of notes on it in a document I had completely forgotten. Like many of the writers we have taken down from my bookshelf for this programme, Hay pays very close and patient attention to the detail of nature in the immediate present. And then he links these observations to intense speculation about the human place in nature. His reflections are always open-ended, sometimes dense and difficult, but more illuminating and bracing on each reading. Let's listen to this mix of observation and speculation as he focuses on a motionless rubber fly for 10 vivid minutes. It has a throbbing abdomen and a look of contained vitality. It is not to be known, he adds cryptically, but then continues. I see the brown glazed wings folded back in the sunlight and two black skylight eyes on the top of its head. Hay acknowledges that this insect is a tough predator and he recognises the troubled thoughts that this triggers in him. Can we, he asks, call this fly cold, indifferent to pain, careless of life, even darkness personified? And then he dismisses his own questions. Our terms are useless, he continues. I do not know. But this agnosticism about applying human values to animal actions does not stop him finding some kind of essential value, a meaning beyond meaning, perhaps, in the natural world as a whole. He unblinkingly records the ongoing loss of habitats and species in the New England coastal systems where he spent most of his life. And yet he is still uplifted by his sense that this world is full of wild, unparalleled desire. Paying attention to all that remains 
evokes in him a sense of wonder that verges on the mystical, but is surely familiar in some form to all of us who like to immerse ourselves in landscapes buzzing exuberantly with other lives. Behind the beauty, the savagery, the minnow, the leaf, he writes, there is that which plays with us like light on a wing and is just as uncatchable. This is from his landmark 1969 book, In Defence of Nature. His observations are always fresh and compelling. Reading him is to walk the dynamic North Atlantic coastline and its near interior with someone intimately familiar since their childhood with its natural processes and creatures. And yet, at each encounter, he finds them delightfully surprising. And inevitably, exhilarating as his portraits are, they are shadowed with foreboding of loss. Like Rachel Carson, he anticipated the extremity of our current biodiversity and climate crises, and he sees his century's worship of technological progress and consumerism as self-destructive folly. To the degree, he writes, that we become disassociated by our power to exploit from what it is that we exploit, our senses will become atrophied, our skills diminished. Without a new equation, he thinks, in which natural and human need are somehow together, we may be lost. I am painfully aware of how much my sampling of a sampling of Hay's writing omits, and how little it reflects the magic of his multiple encounters with so many fascinating animals and natural phenomena. But I wouldn't want to end on a note of gloom, despite the reality of his times and the ever harsher reality of ours. So I'll conclude with his reflection, standing on the shoreline of a still wild place in Mexico. At night, the dazzling jewels of the Southern Cross climbed their vaulted ladders, and the planets shone like glowworms or like bioluminescent organisms in the sea, while in the forests the animals listened and the plants stirred in the great silence sanctioned by plenitude. Paddy Woodworth there with his latest choice for inclusion on The Naturalist Bookshelf, The Way to the Salt Marsh by John Hay. And you can find the other volumes on The Naturalist Bookshelf, including Paddy on Rachel Carson, Aldo Leopold, Nan Shepherd, Helen MacDonald and many more via the RGE Lyric FM site. Or you'll find a Naturalist Bookshelf playlist on SoundCloud. <laughs> 